Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. So, I'm going to tell you in the next ten minutes or so about four critical facts about the brain that you should know if you care about enhancing your life. And I'm also going to tell you about some powerful neuro hacks for increasing brain power, presence, creativity, and productivity. First thing, the brain is an organ. I take a lot of these out of a lot of heads. It's a piece of meat. Okay, it's not vapors. You look in a skull, you see a brain, and so that's very powerful when you start to think about the fact that the brain has a job. Your heart's job is to pump blood through your body. The brain's job is to do mainly three things. The brain's job is to control your behavior, your breathing, your heart rate, move you around when you want to move. Okay, it's there to perceive the world, whether or not you think fruit is good or bad. In this case, I'm fairly convinced I don't want to eat a lot of fruit, and I, I learned a lot about that. But your ability to perceive that image and know what it is, your brain's very good at that. And then to imagine, I intentionally left that area blank. So I want you all to just think really briefly. This isn't a fun exercise, but what's your flight number coming out here? Okay, you can do that. My dog Costello can't do that. That's a uniquely human ability to think about something that's not in the room, to imagine something on demand, and to plan and to create new things. And that's very powerful. It's also what gets you into trouble. Okay, so there's some basic truths, right? So everything that happens to you, your entire experience—I don't care what anyone says, I don't care what alignment the Earth is in—everything is happening because your brain has these three jobs. And all of your experience is filtered through that thing in your head, that pile of cells that's arranged in a very specific way that we're still trying to understand, called your brain. Just like we could be talking about the heart, whose job is to pump blood. So I want to describe just how the brain works in three basic ways. Two of which you've heard about before. We all have heard the lizard brain, the thing that freaks you out when you think there's someone standing in the corner and they turn on the light. There's nobody. Or if you were to come up on a car wreck and all of a sudden your heart's pumping, your brain is very good at that stuff, and that's great. That's why you're alive at this moment. It is an unerring, unfailing system keeping you alive. Your lizard brain, and it's generally designed to keep you alive and to scare you from doing things that would hurt you. It's a shame because I would have liked it to be generally good at making me feel good all the time, but that's generally not what it's good at. And I'm stealing from the great Tony Robbins, who says, you know, there's paved roads to fear and misery, and cobblestone or dirt roads to happiness. And that's true at the level of neuroanatomy. You don't have a whole lot of your brain devoted to happiness. You got a lot of your brain designed to keep you safe. So anxieties and fears come about a lot easier, and you need to combat those. We're all getting better at that. Thinking, planning, imagining, and doing is the other kind of end of the spectrum. I talked about that, and then there's the one that really counts, right? Which is this thing in the middle, which is the way that those things are connected. What do you think depends on how you feel? What you feel depends on how you think. We know this now. There's kind of common knowledge, and it's these maps of your experience. It depends on what happened to you and how you view the world. And we know this at a psychological level. Neuroscientists sometimes talk like this. They often don't. I'm in the minority. But there's a lot of neuroanatomy. There's a lot of powerful neuroscience to support this. What do I mean by your maps of experience? I mean what happened to you shapes how you view the world. So what's important is how you change how you view the world if you want to go forward beyond what would just how you were programmed. Let's say. All right. So again, this is where it gets a little dense, and I promise it gets a little more fun. So this is where you get meaning. Right? Are your maps of experience? All this other stuff is really urgent. Has to do with on demand. Keep your heart pumping. Keep yourself breathing. That's happening moment to moment, and it's below your conscious detection. If you think about it, you can notice it, but otherwise, it's below your conscious detection. And then 
there's the stuff that is really why you're here if you think about it, which is your future and evolution. So where you get meaning is super important. If meaning is what gives all your experiences their significance, right? And they're these maps that I'm talking about in very vague terms. What are those about? And we've heard a lot about them. We heard a great talk yesterday about how you can take fear and then change its meaning and turn it into something powerful, right? So that's exactly what I'm talking about. But that was something that as an adult that she did, right? So why fear? Why do we have fears? Why do we have trauma? Why do we have shame? And here's the stinger. It was all set up for you in your youth. I don't want to focus on the bad, but most of the stuff when you're young, you're just a passive learning machine. It's all coming in. Little kids are learning three languages with no accents flexibly. They're not even thinking about it. They're learning instruments. So what happens when you're an adult and you want to change your brain? So now I'm going to get into the stuff that hopefully is useful to you. So these basic facts that changing your brain in a real way as an adult requires that you do particular things that activate particular chemical systems in your brain. So how do you do that, right? I could tell you all about the chemicals and I'll tell you a little bit about how do you do it. Okay, so this is a right here, right now, urgent situation, car wreck. It's terrible. You could imagine any other trauma in its place. When that happens, a little area in the base of the brain, the name isn't important, but if you care, it's called nucleus basalis, does its job, which is just an alert system. It puts all its attention on right here, right now, get everybody safe. It's your alert system. And it has this effect of dumping out a certain chemical called acetylcholine at specific locations in the brain that are paired with that experience. And forever, that experience will be traumatic unless something else is done, okay? So there's some nuance and some details to this, but that pretty much summarizes it. It's been replicated many, many times in dozens of studies. You can pair pretty much any experience with stimulation of nucleus basalis, this thing in the base of the brain, and that experience will be mapped or remapped in your brain as an adult. And that's remarkable. It's also exciting because then I, someone like me says, well, then how do I change my experience? How do I change the meaning of what happens? How do I change something from traumatic to positive? The good news is nucleus basalis is just a slave to whatever is exciting, traumatic. It likes emotion. It likes peaks and lows. And so if acetylcholine is released, that means you can massively change your brain at that moment with whatever's paired with it. And so when you get into a peak state here and you're jumping up and down, or in a really low state and you're thinking how miserable something is, you have to be really careful because those are the things that you're wiring in, all right? So you can move to a state like this about driving later if you form enough associations with driving but to really eliminate, to override the fear, you need to create a positive experience in its place. So how do you do that? So I'm gonna tell you that the way to do that is not to think too hard and to not verbalize things too much. And this is coming from someone who spent 25 years, three times a week on a couch letting subconscious things geyser up. And that's where I really learned that it was really the things that you don't realize that have the potential to have the most impact. But this power of emotion, the ability to couple really strong emotions with things is so useful if you want to change your brain for the better. And the way you do that is clear in the physical space. We all know this story. There are many news cases like this. Woman's child stuck under car, superhuman strength. We heard a lot of amazing stories about desperation. JJ's story was one of desperation. She's like, no, I'm not going to accept failure because failure, in the case she was describing, was potentially the death of her child. So desperation is a strong one, and it's motivated by fear. But what if you're not in a desperate state and you really want to do something? In that case, there's something remarkable, and we should ask ourselves, why are children such great passive learners? They're not trying. They're just learning. They're coming home with all sorts of things, sometimes things you don't want them to come home with, right? It's because they have this element of play. And what is play? Play isn't just movement, although it includes movement. It's giving things everything you've got, but keeping it in perspective. 
It's that sweet spot of enjoying life and trying really, really hard at it at the same time. It's essentially what we all strive for. And there are these incredible cases throughout history. Famous scientists, because I grew up in a house where people you know, revered scientists like Richard Feynman, Nobel Prize winner. He's most famous for bongo drumming naked on the roof of Caltech. And he became an amazing artist in his 60s. And he developed all sorts of other skills. And he always had this childlike way of looking at the world. He never let himself get stuck in his ways, never became a curmudgeon and a remarkable man. But if you come away with nothing else, I encourage you to do that. You want your brain to change? Stay light, stay loose, but give it everything you've got. It's tough, right? It's tough. There's also this question of people want to do this. They want to accomplish this stuff, but it's hard, right? I mean, I'm talking, but it's hard to actually do these things. I'm going to give you a little tool to help you hack into these systems, into these neural systems that are about creativity, but also about drive and focus, right? I grew up in Silicon Valley, right? It's all about drive and focus. But you're also supposed to be like Steve Jobs, take walks with bare feet, imagine great things and make billions of dollars. So how do you bridge those two things, right? Keep things in perspective, but give them your all. And you each have individual stories, I think, that reflect this. And I've really enjoyed hearing about them and I enjoy hearing more in the remaining time of the meeting. So in the past, how do people tap into this acetylcholine system? How do they get their attention on something for 30 minutes? Cigarettes, amazing stimulants of the nicotinic acetylcholine system. Talk to artists, talk to musicians. They felt like something really dropped out for them when they found out cigarettes were really unhealthy and could kill you. I am not encouraging you to smoke cigarettes, but there is something remarkable, because they'll kill you through other ways. But there is something remarkable about nicotine stimulation. And then there are these things, these nootropics. And here I have to just have a disclosure, which is that I consult for a number of groups that are making nootropics, and I have some stake in these different ones. Qualia is one of them. I'm not telling you to take Qualia. The one thing I'd like you to do is go to the website, the neurohacker.com website, only because the guys that are doing this are unselfish enough that they're organizing all the nootropics into a kind of information base of nootropic stuff. So I think that's useful, kind of like examine.com, something which I have nothing involved with, is great if you're interested in supplements. There's this kid, I think he's like 10 years old or something, and he made this amazing website that organizes all the supplements into peer-reviewed studies. You can find everything you want there. So I'm just an information nut. That's basically what that's about. And then there's the question of like, what's next? A pill would be great. Meditation is awesome. But what if we could combine these things in really powerful ways? Or what if we could just create better forms of meditation, not saying that what was been done in India and elsewhere for ages isn't remarkable, but to, that more people can access. And so there's a new kind of meditation that I'm encouraging you to try, and it's based on the neuroscience that we know. And we were able to do this as a group outside. It goes something like this. It has to do with the fact that our goal is to get present, right? You breathe, you get present, you become less reactive. It's very important. Only in your daily life, you want to be present, but you also want to dream big and go for things and access your creativity, which is about being not present. It's about not right now, not being limited by right here, right now. But then you have to turn around that great idea and turn it into something you have to implement. So how do you bridge those things? One of the things that makes us remarkable is our ability to bridge time as a species. Again, my dog Costello doesn't wake up on New Year's Day 2016 and say, 50 rabbits this year. You know, <laughs> That's what makes dogs so present. And that's what makes us so neurotic, is that we leave this space, we go elsewhere. But leaving is good too, because leaving is the reason that Steve Jobs was able to create objects that didn't exist before, like the iPhone, that we're all such a slave to now, right? So how do you do this? So there's three kinds of general themes of meditation. I'm not an expert in meditation. What I recommend, just trying, try it and let me know. Send me an email and let me know how it goes. Is one meditation, very short, five minutes, where for one breath, one breath, 
You close your eyes and go internal, and you get behind, and some people call it the third eye, right? I'm going to get the language wrong, but we all know what we're talking about. You get inside your breath. And then the second thing you do is you focus on something at a short distance. There's a powerful system in your brain when you focus both eyes on a single point, like a watchmaker making a watch, or you're reading. That state is accessing very specific channels in your brain that are very different from the one that when you close your eyes, okay? And it's called a virgin's eye movement when you put both your eyes on the same thing. And then the last one is the one that we get a lot of here, that feeling, awesome feeling when you go out to the beach or you're on the top of a mountain or you look at the horizon or you arrive in New York City if you're me and you just go, oh my God, and you're defocused. And that's when these ideas, the creativity kind of spontaneously geysers up from below. But then you have to get back and you need to get to work on something. And so what's been very powerful, and we're putting patients through this or subjects in brain imaging, is this way of accessing all these different brain states is really about accessing different notions of space and time, trying to get access to your whole brain. And it's a short meditation. I recommend just one breath at each of these kind of stations in your mind, up close and focusing on your hand and out. And I'll repeat that a few times during my morning or maybe once or twice during the day. It's quick and we're getting remarkable feedback from the people that are doing this about the kind of state that it puts them in, both engaged and present with the bigger picture. And in the end, it's all about the bigger picture, right? Because it's about not just what you do with your life, but how you're going to create good in the world. And so I'd like to stop there, rather. I call this space-time bridging just because it sounds fine and you need an acronym, so STB. And that's not because I want to own it. I just want people to use it and experience how great it's been for me and for the other people I've suggested it to. And then if you're interested in some of the other stuff that I'm doing, in 2017, there's going to be some more information coming out about how you can use these primitive states, either fear or I prefer positive states, in order to change the way that your brain works for the better. So thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.